Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We're here with a full panel. We got Dan Koritz, Dash Ankle Pick. How are you doing, Dan? Oh, what no. Up, what we up? have, sorry, quick introduction. We have at Dank Wagers now. Uh, how are you doing, Dank Wagers? That, you, you can't act like that's new after giving me all the crap for first changing it like two years ago. But uh, we're, we're doing all right. Much needed sweep two weeks ago. Um, so we're green. I mean, Dan's a green man. And Kobe, other than the technical difficulties, how are we feeling? Yeah, camera's off, so you guys don't have to look at my ugly mug. <laughs> but doing great, Reese. Good. And I, I'm assuming you t- – I know you tailed the ankle lock, and that's where we'll start. So last – or no, two weeks ago, um, on the 19th of November, we had an ankle lock of Jack Della Maddalena inside the distance, Dan, or is it under two and a half? Or I under played it two on- and a half. Okay, I played it a play. lot of different ways. So, But uh, we, we, we all had a phone call conversation that morning. We would talk about this card as having a couple of plays, but nothing that we loved. And uh, there were four toss-ups of, of what we were going through and it turns out all four of them hit so th- this was a good one to grab um but you know we couldn't have gone wrong no it was a and it was a beautiful card up and down and kobe instead of trying to guess um let's reel off the performance bonuses this so before you do that just one quick headline the headline was set to be speedback first Derek lewis Derek lewis fell ill of fight day um and so kennedy and Jack Zekachu and Ian Kutalaba uh, got slotted up into the main event and that ended up delivering, but Kobe go ahead and, and, and go one by one of the performance bonuses here. And, and Dan and I can add some color if anything warrants it. Curtain jerker, Natalia Silva with her spinning back kick. What early in the third. Yeah. And a great performance. And Dan was on that one. You said you were fading uh, Belita here. And what was the line pre-fight? Anyone know? Because this would fit into the women's system or no. It does. It's uh, – I'm pulling it up right now. We went one one and one, and there was a push this week altogether. Mm. Um, but, yeah, Silva well, actually closed a favorite. Silva actually one. closed a favorite. That stinks. But uh, this was an all-time live betting spot for me. I actually placed one of my bigger bets of the season – um, after I saw Blade, I had completely gassed out in that second round yeah. and, uh, my book was hanging a pretty favorable number. There was a two in front of it still. And so I, I smashed that. Yeah. If you watch cards top to bottom and also the angle pick pod will eventually get to maybe live casts or whatever, but you can pretty easily find some live spots, um, based on the condition of the fighter and how the round went. So hats off to you, Dan, for drilling that winner. Um, Jack Delmanle in a next performance bonus. Okay, and then that caster ankle locks. So we did touch on that, but is is Delmanle the real deal, or is or are we? I mean, we know he is, but are, are we looking for a ranked opponent next? I mean, Danny Roberts got pretty dismantled. Yeah, I, I think he deserves it at this point. I think that back to back Roberts and Ameev are 
really incredible wins. And uh, the Angelusa Contender Series win is another one that notch in his belt, and I think that he deserves a ranked fighter next. I agree, especially the fashion in which he's doing it. I mean, the so a lot of people were, were talking about speed, but I almost want to give props to his accuracy. I mean, he does not miss shots. He finds his spots, and he just hits it with what seems to be an 100% clip. It's it's pretty – Yeah, really efficient. I, I'd love to see a matchup versus, like, Randy Brown – um honestly even muslim salikov who we, we'll talk about maybe a little later you know, uh, jeff neal M- M- michelle Pereira. yeah I why not styled on danny roberts and would bring a great stylistic matchup for uh both of them gentlemen to have a fireworks of a fight not to gloss over before we get past this under two and a half cashing for the ankle lock 15 and two up 49.8 units. That's 22 clear of second place with three events left. Guys, we cannot emphasize this enough. We're not trying to say this to pat our own pockets. Like we do this pro bono. It is genuinely pays to listen. If you want to seem like the sharp in your friend group, or you want to just make money or you want, I mean, just all you have to do, not even have to ride our every single pick fight, but just ride the ankle lock. And you are, you are more than paid back for your time. Uh, listening here so if you want to share it with your friends we always appreciate it and we want to make as many people our enemies are the books i mean we're going to we're, we're trying to be bookie killers and and less important for you listeners but kobe did mention that there's only three events left and uh so we're, we're really not gonna we're, we're not letting up at all we want this victory we want this belt we want to be the champ of, of the lock of the night season and so this is something we're we're gunning for we're absolutely not taking a fight off oh yeah and Look for us to, yeah, still, that's exactly as Dan said, just continue to press the pressure um, and go for maximum units. Maximum units. Danny mentioned it. Muslim Salikov gets the third performance bonus. Muslim Salikov does? Yeah. Go ahead, Dan, because that was a great read by you. He really just was meeting Andre anytime Andre tried to make any entries. Um, Like, Kobe, you just mentioned, or I think Reese, you just mentioned the accuracy of Jack Dilla Maddalena. Muslims' accuracy with those spinning attacks is something to really, really just be impressed by. I mean, it's not something like you should take note of, like he's some prospect. I think at 38, we've seen probably the peak of what Muslim Salikov is, but it's so cool that he can continue to be this exciting and versatile on the feet against a dangerous opponent and, and really just style in there. Yeah. And you could see. Fiala wilting a little bit and Salikov just continuing to put the pressure on. I know it took him to the third to, to finish him, but if you, and which is impressive within yourself, but if you watch the, the style of the fight, it was just a continuous onslaught. You know, there are multiple points where if Fiala wasn't as tough as he is, a lot of people collapse earlier. So Dan, and that, that sidekick to the body that, that Muslim throws is cool one of the biggest investments of all time. You you don't oh. see that end fights in the first, but you see that end fights in the third when, when it stacks up and, and their gas tank is gone. Yeah. And Fowler's as tough as they come and you watched him buckle at least twice um, in just agony from those spinning kicks to the liver, spinning kicks to the kidney. I mean, he's just a monster. So I do want to take this one second here to give another hats off to you, Dank Wagers, because this one was going to be a layoff for me. And I actually tailed you onto it. Um, I, I taped a little bit more going into the card. I go, you know what? Dan sees exactly what he's supposed to see. Played two units, cash two units. So thank you, sir. Uh, 
big hats off. That that was a winner that I wasn't even sniffing until you gave it to me. So, is that the over you're talking about? No, just Salikov oh. uh, money line. Sorry, I thought you moved on to the next fight. I thought nope. we were talking Chase no, Sherman. That, and no, I was like, Salikov, what winner did I give in heavyweight stupidity? No, no, like, no. No. Sal- <laughs> no, when it comes to heavyweights and women's, I, I no. But uh, no, Muslim Salikov money line you gave me, and I took that ticket to the bank. So appreciate it. Yes, sir. Um, what Last else? Bonus. Yeah. The second round knee, Kennedy and Chuck Wu. Yeah, and he didn't look it's his performance in the first scared me it looked sloppy honestly I was because for some guy who uses his range really well um and usually is a lot crisper than and that was a really closely contested first but as Kutalaba does Kutalaba things gets a little bit reckless gets a little bit tired you could see um Nzekachu really starting to put it on and and it became too late for for Iwan yeah, the last comment as we switch into news and notes, uh, we skipped over it a little bit, but Miles Johns mentioned that his coach uh, was suspended and yep. officially could not be in his corner. Um, and that same coach had a max unit play on Kennedy and Chuck Wu by knockout in the main event. So congrats for him making a payday no. before potentially uh, being ousted from the sport. Yeah, I I – Dan gave me a le- not a lecture. Dan gave me a friendly advice on Saturday because I went a little too hard on James Krause. So I am refraining from now on because I just do not like the man. And I won't pretend like I do because gambling always has been like a somewhat people like looked at as a shady industry and it doesn't need to be. Um, but when you have all your hands and toes dipped in the well and you're under speculation, you, lo- you lose my respect. Two more things before we move on um, to news and notes. One, Dan, do you believe Elon Kutalaba will stay on the UFC roster? Uh, I ask this because light heavyweight um, is a little weak. Um, it's a little thin, but he's now uh, lost to a lot in a row. So he lost to Glover, beat Khalil, lost to Magomed, then lost to Magomed again. No shame on that. Draw with Dustin Jacoby, beat Devin Clark, lost to Span, lost to Johnny Walker, lost to Kennedy and Zekachu with a really not so impressive UFC record thus far, but he is right. quite- Right, to sum, sum up that record, shout out to Tapology's new feature. He's five, eight, and one in the UFC, and that should be five and nine. The, the Ooh, one- Oh, I'm just the seeing- one this. is the Ankalaya, yeah. uh, or I guess it's the Jacoby- No, it's the Jacoby, um, draw yeah. split, but it, it, it should to me be five and nine. Yeah, it should be. And that just begs the question, does he stay? I mean, they definitely have a body issue and he can be exciting, but when he crosses that middle of the pack territory, the uh, right above Devin Clark's, it is a brick wall for him. He's getting finished and he's not looking great. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think that there's too much of a path to the to contendership even at this point. In his and then one other point. thing I wanted to mention before moving on, um, both the ultimate fighter guys won pretty high set and Ricky Tercios. And then did you score the fight for Zumagulov, the unluckiest competitor in the world, or Charles? I did not score it for Zumagulov. I, I okay. was uh, I was confident at the end that Johnson won that fight. Okay, that's actually good because I scoring I, it one way or another is not confident one way or another. I don't think anybody was confident. So I actually I wasn't confident, but I I I felt pretty good about my twenty nine twenty eight Zumagulov, and I know this will be our segue into news and notes. But Zumagulov announced his retirement. He's kind of had enough. Kobe, was that on your news and notes? It was the first news yep. and note item. That was a hell of a segue, Reese. Yeah, what a good segue. Yeah, Zuma Gulov retiring. I mean, he's 
one of those guys that we joke about must have must have done something to somebody because lost a split decision to Jeff Molina. A lot of people had it for him. Lost a split decision to Charles Johnson. A lot of people had it for him. Um, but outside of that, it's kind of been his own undoing. But now one and five inside the UFC after having an amazing regional career. Um, I wonder if he was just getting out ahead of it. I'm gonna I'm gonna dip before I get cut, maybe. Um, but Zumagulov off into the sunset. Any remarks, Dan? You know, it did surprise me, and it won't surprise me if we see him back in a couple of uh, maybe months, years after he gets that bug again, that itch. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, it's it's tough to go into these 50-50 split decisions constantly and be on the other end of them. We've got a, a, a woman in this uh, card that will break down coming up and Angela Hill who's on a similar run and it's it's just tough. She yeah. t- she's very vocal about how these judges are directly pulling money out of fighters' pockets. And it's it's happened even on a higher level, like in in some questionable championship fights. We talked about Dom Reyes a couple of years ago, where yeah, it's like you're talking about you may have ruined an ent- a man's entire career, which is um, quite sad when you think about it. Uh, okay. So I feel like we really did a good job covering the card and I know we segued into news and notes, but I'm actually going to slow your roll, roll quickly here. Uh, country club before you dive into it, gather your news and notes together. Cause we do want to talk about PFL. They have graciously host us multiple times and they're a phenomenal organization and they ended their regular season with their championship week. I'm not going to dive into too much just mainly the headlines. Jeremy Steven lost rear naked choke. Uh, he got dominated. He just doesn't have it. In my opinion, he, he's a, he's going to be a prize fighter, but he just doesn't have it. Yeah. Natan Schultz was just levels. Yeah. Levels, levels. Uh, Magomed, Magomed Kirimov kind of cruised to a decision. Do we see him in the UFC, Dan? I don't. I think he's found his niche in PFL. And I think that he probably wins this uh, PFL final if he's participating the full season. Um, and obviously we know that I think it was visa issues kept him out of the first round and then yeah. the knockout in this, in the second round of the regular season just wasn't enough. So, um, I think we'll see him back in the PFL. I think he'll be one of the favorites to ultimately win the 2023 season for welterweight. And, um, I think that he likes that spot that he's in within the sport. Yeah. It's a great spot to be in. Um, especially with the upside of, of being able to win a million dollars, which, the storyline of this entire card was every single winner is a brand new winner. So a lot of millionaires were made that night. Um, Marlon Marais fell in his PFL debut, but not to the way, I mean, it is the way you'd think, but he, he won the first two rounds pretty comfortably before he didn't. It's the exact way you think really. He, yeah. Really way better than Shaman everywhere, except for durability. That shit's um, still made of glass. I, I, I do feel for him, Dan. I don't know about you, but I, I weirdly feel for him. I feel bad. Um, no, it, it's crazy looking at his record and seeing a win over Jose Aldo. That was just another another one where the Aljo. judges were a little bit. Whatever. That Aljo head kick. Oh, my gosh. Who would have guessed that their career trajectories would have gone this way? Um, also, Shaman Rice, I want to give a shout out to for an all-time poha. He ran around that ring screaming Poha, and it, it was an all-timer. Um, it was very good. Robert, or Rob Wilkinson, mostly known for losing to Izzy at Izzy's debut, beat Omar Akhmedov via Dr. Stoppage, nasty cut, dismantling, millionaire. 
Yeah, uh, this was uh, one of my only bets of the night. I was on too. Rob Wilk, and, and he just showed kind of throughout the entire season that he was above it, that yeah. and that he was really just better than this division. Yeah, and, he, uh, he's very talented. And I, I know the million dollars, especially when you're the one seed, is really compelling, but I would like to see him. I think he could legitimately make a decent run in the UFC. You're not wrong. And I think that having Izzy is losing your debut and then having to fight Izzy is an impossible task. It's, it's just, you're not going to have the success. You're not going to have success in the UFC when an unknown Izzy makes you look like that. And he now knows what the top, top level feels like too. So he's built his career off since. And I don't believe he's, yeah, I don't think he's lost since undefeated in, in PFL after going on to in the UFC. So, and boxing too. Uh, Sadabu Sai, a guy that we got to interview, very nice guy. Uh, you actually were the one who headed this interview, but he is a millionaire. Unanimous decision, 5-0 uh, or 50-45. You know, it, it was so awesome to see Sadibu get the million. Um, he was actually the very first regular season fight that the ankle pick got to watch. Um he won it in a split decision, if you believe. Another another example of judges and what could have been changing people's lives. Um, I remember sitting there thinking, I don't know, I don't know if Sadibu won this fight. I think I asked him in that interview what he thought and what his coaches thought going into that third round, if he if he thought he needed a finish or not. Um, and here he is as the as the champion, as a millionaire. And I couldn't be more happy for him. He's an awesome yeah, guy. Me too. And we'll work on clipping up and check over on our YouTube channel at Ankle Pick Pod. We'll get some of those Sadabu C clips up there because they were very fascinating at the time. Our boy, who we need to get on here, OAM Olivier Aubin Mercier takes home a millionaire. Unbelievable performance, dominant from top to bottom. Um, and I had a parlay of him and Rob Wilkinson. So that felt good, but great That's performance. Awesome. And a gambling man himself, so would love to get his perspective. Now has a little more coin to gamble with now that he's a most man. definitely. And he, he's an, he's another great Twitter follow, just a really funny yeah, guy. And he's a phenomenal fighter. Oh, I always, yeah, I always thought the UFC pulled the rug out a little too fast on him. He's really fucking talented, um, both on the feet and on the ground. So, but happy to see him a millionaire. I'm sure he has no regrets. Aspen Ladd made her PFL debut, beat Julia Budd, split decision. Anything to write home about, or is this just no, nothing for me? I more so interested about what Aspen was saying after the fight about uh, Kayla and Larissa and and the other woman in her division, which is going to lead for a nice build up for next year. Yeah, but. it's going to be a great season, and I would argue that this division, the fifty five, is is shockingly one of the stronger in the PFL. It continuously headlines and it continuously gets the most news, led by Kayla Harrison. That's coming up here in a second. Anti Delia. Beats Metuis Scheffel via KO. Unsurprisingly, this one I had written all over it. I Delia was the runner-up the year before, and he looked like he was going for murder. So the, yeah, this was this was my other play of the night uh, aside from Rob. And like you said, he was the runner-up last year to Bruno Capeloza, who's just a stylistic nightmare matchup for him. But the most interesting part for me going into that night was. At PFL two in Dallas, Matouche and um, Matouche and Auntie had fought, and Auntie was a minus seven hundred favorite and knocked him out in the second round. 
Mm-hmm. And now they're rematching in the same season, and it was only three thirty. I thought that was a little silly. Yeah, I, I thought that there was some value there, even though the line was steep at three thirty. I just was a little confused by that. And that's what's so wild about this sport we all love is it really, honestly, you can find spots because it's so much recency bias more than any other sport. And, and it'd be a little one. different if it wasn't the PFL and in the same season, but you know that they're not going back to, to square one and rebuilding right. like who they are as a fighter mid season, you know, that who they were week one or week two is the same guy as who they are at the end, at the end of the season. And that's a really right. interesting thing about this PFL structure that you don't get in the UFC. 1000%. I could not agree, agree more. And I like the structure. I really do. I didn't know if I would, I do. Brendan Locke name. Beats Bubba Jenkins, claims the million dollars after beating uh, Chris Wade his last time out. What a run this guy had. Rejected from the UFC on contender right. series. Speaking now, of, speaking of uh, guys like when you mentioned OAM, of, did the UFC make a huge mistake? I'd say the answer is yes. Um, and I saw the quote floating around from that contender series night where Dana said, this isn't a regular fight. You have to do like extra to prove it to me. And... Uh, if I made a mistake, someone else go pick him up and prove me wrong. PFL did just that, and hats off to them. And hats off to, to Brendan Lofname, first of all. Well deserved. And what's so amazing, too, is a lot of people say, like, um, you don't know how good the outcome is. Because when Brendan didn't get the contract, he was visibly distraught. Now, look, he's a fucking millionaire. What a What a great story that is. And... He's as talented as they come as well, moving his record to 26 and four. And this is the, this, the headliner is going to steal the show. Kayla Harrison, someone that a lot of people were calling for super fights, fell to Larissa Pacheco, who we have a POHA video of that Dan's probably searching for as we speak. She cashes at a plus 550 underdog and is a newfound millionaire over Kayla Harrison, who's won two or three years in a row. And what a fight it was. She gritted out, looked like a true martial artist, and I had it for her 48-47. So congratulations to Larissa Pacheco and joining that million-dollar fan club. That was there a it is. There's the Larissa Pacheco Poha. We got to get that circulating on Twitter. So that wraps up PFL 10, the 2022 championships, and I am beyond excited for the 2023 PFL season. What a format. What a night of fights. What a, I'm glad I paid up for the pay-per-view. It was an absolute joy to watch. It really was. So I'm glad to see that mixed martial arts has competition in the space and there's no monopoly. All right. 100%. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and the last thing I want to say is because we have talked to her big shout out to Kayla. She took that like a champ. Obviously she had a really bad taste in her mouth during the interview but, um, you know, that's something we're used to here on the Ankle Pick Pod because this week's episode, as always, is sponsored by Jepson's Malort. And uh, bad taste in your mouth? Show, your, show off your Malort face. It's, it's that kind of night for us. Um, but, you know, Jepson's is a great poop liqueur. It's my favorite. I order at the bar. I take shots. I order Reese uh, Malort Old Fashioned because he's that kind of savage. But... Um, <laughs> It has the aroma and full-bodied flavor of an unusual botanical. 
and it's just terrific. Try it, try it straight, take a shot, show off your Malort face. It's bitter taste is savored by two-fisted drinkers and two-fisted gamblers alike. Yeah. So shout out. If you're listening to this podcast, you're both a two-fisted drinker and a two-fisted gambler. So check out the Chicago-based liqueur company, Jepson's Malort. What a great. And we rip our Danny actually speaking of PFL. He made his PFL debut in a Malort shirt. True story. That's very true. <laughs> um, country Club, can't see your face. So are you still with us? Because it's time for news. I'm here, buddy. Time for news and notes. Um, appreciate how quickly y'all are moving through those, through those recaps. It's a lot of fights. So we'll try, try to do the same here with news and notes. Um, y'all, we hit on the James Krause information already. Zalgas Umagulov retirement. Um, Marlon Rice, obviously that was a retirement fight. Um, all right, moving on. Let's talk UFC 282. I'm going to read through the specifics you guys can react. So we find out last weekend, Yuri Pohaska, serious shoulder injury. He's out, vacated his light heavyweight title. Glover, Glover Teixeira is offered Magomed Ankalaev. Word is he declined. And we come to what it all happened very quickly. So it wasn't even really much of a delay, but Magomed Ankalaya versus Jan Blachowicz, which was already scheduled on the card is now the light heavyweight title fight main event. Yeah. And just to touch on the Glover declining it, he made a very smart career decision. I imagine because you see guys, Frankie Edgar's one that comes to mind. didn't want to stay on the shelf and wait for his chance took Brian Ortega, lost his chance, never to be had again. Glover Teixeira is waiting in the wings. And he said, look, I'll take this fight in January. UFC said, no, we need it for this card. He said, I'll take this fight, you know, whatever. No, nope. or I'll take it in Brazil. He said, in whatever. Like, no, you need to take it. We need to fight for this. So he said, okay, I will not be ready to completely redo my training camp and plan for a guy as difficult of a task as Magomed Ankalaev. So I think it was a good career decision for uh, Glover. I think he'll be waiting in the wings and be able to get a full camp under his belt. And I think for a last-minute replacement title fight, this one's, like, right as good as they come. Um, I don't know Dan's opinion on it, but I, I'm excited to see this one. I, For starters, I think that it's a little bit weird the way that it all went down. Um not really hearing a lot from Jerry, and I know that English isn't his first language and he's not active on social media, but it was a weird, this was a weird circumstance. I've never seen someone stripped of their belt so quickly um, for an injury, and it's, it, it sounds like it's a really serious injury, and so it sounds like the UFC made the right choice, but not calling this an interim and, and stripping Jerry was a really interesting choice. So I actually heard Yuri, Yuri, like did it himself i heard that yuri relinquished the belt instead of getting it stripped because he didn't want to hold up the division which makes me if that is the truth makes me even that much more of a fan of yuri for not being one of those guys who holds light heavyweight hostage for you know a million years that's an all-time bad beat nonetheless to yuri to hold light heavyweight gold at the end of 2023 plus 215 i think it was yeah, that is an all-time bad, all-time bad beat. Because he could easily have just pushed it off instead of being the honorable man he is, and no one would think anything of it. Oh. All right, let's keep it moving. I guess um, one last comment. Go ahead. I think that this is the first time 
since that night that we mentioned a whole lot down in Houston with Dominic Reyes and John Jones, um, that there's a light heavyweight main event um, without a second title fight on the pay-per-view. And I think that's an interesting, I don't know if it's a shift in in light heavyweight or whatever, but John Jones was a name that carried events for a long time. Um, And I don't think that the heavy light heavyweight division has had anyone like that since. Well, if you think about it, I mean, the UFC has gone a totally different direction where we've had pay-per-views this year with no title fights. The Nate Diaz one in particular comes That's to true. mind. So I, I wonder if they're almost trying to test it to see if those, if they really need that three, if they really need that three times champ bout to really sell a card. I wonder if they're fill trying it to with, uh, fill it with the Patty Pimblets and the Robbie yeah. Wallers and the Darren Tills. And all of a sudden you got asses in seats without really having to pay the big go all out. Yeah. It's interesting. interesting. It's interesting. Something I'm not a fan of though. <laughs> Something I hope doesn't stick around. All right. Keeping it moving. Um, more fights to announce December 17th, Drew Dober, Bobby Green. Really fun Banger. one. Yeah. Good for Drew Dober. I think that's a really winnable matchup, and I think that he's kind of found his ceiling recently. Two fights to announce January 14th, and I think that that's a whole gap from December 17th. There's not a UFC event until January 14th. We're going to have a full month off there. That um, that's is that true? true? Reese, that's a true. Yeah, I think it is. For it. What the fuck am I going to do with my life? Well, we'll have we'll, – Listeners, don't don't worry. We'll have our award show. Um, we'll probably have another futures episode like we did last year, talking about champs at the end of the year. Uh, so y'all have content, but Reese, Reese, you will have nothing to to. You'll have to hang out with people. No. Uh oh, man, I might need to get into Russian table tennis or some shit. This is a problem. Be the first. Ten out of ten. All right, Danny Gay and Damon Jackson is January 14th. I have not heard of that at all. That's a great fight. I'm glad you Electric. mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that because, Dan, I want to give your get your initial opinion with hearing that. Who do you think wins that one? Because this is a step down for Ige, but Ige is on a cold streak. You know, Damon Axon Jackson is a beast. And I think his luck's run out after that Sabatini upset. I think Ige gets him done. I love it. You heard it here first. Same day, Umar Nurmagomedov and Haoni Barcelos. Mm. Tough matchup for Umar. Really yeah. excited for that one. Haoni can grapple. Haoni can crack. But wow. I mean, these Nurmagomedovs, they don't lose unless their name's a boob car. Now, that is a step up. I mean, that's one of those things where, which, by the way, I got to or stand. Saeed. Saeed loses a lot. I got to stand right next to Umar. Um, at Bellator, and he's got swag. I won't lie. Um, the following week, January 21st, UFC 283 in Rio, Dorino Burns and Neil Magny. Finally, and this has been a saga that has frustrated me a whole lot. I haven't talked a lot about it, um, on the podcast, but Gilbert Dorino Burns. Our show's favorite fighter, one of my favorite fighters of all time, has been angling for a big money fight, specifically George Masvidal, um, for over a year. And 
you know, so it's been so many times where I've thought that they're, they're this close, that the contract's out, the contract may be signed by both parties. And I'm disappointed that that fight never came to be, but I'm really happy Dorino moved on because he needed to in his career. At this point, it's been a year and a half, maybe two years since he fought Kamaru. There's a lot of juice no longer on his name, but that guy's as skilled as anyone in that division. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he holds gold in one time. We saw it against Ramzat. You, 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 that was a really competitive fight against somebody who was just running through that division. And I had maybe, maybe, maybe above it. Yeah, Gilbert needs to stay active. I respect the shit out of him. He's, a, he's actually our podcast favorite fighter. And he needs to stay active. So this is huge. And honestly, props to Neil Magny, too. I mean, no one, from what I heard, it wasn't just George saying, I don't want that fight. A lot of welterweights didn't want that fight. Neil Magny proving once again, he is always game for a scrap. And it'll be a battle of high, high fight IQs. I'm excited. It's going to be really high level. Go peep that card on Tapology. There is a Brazilian fighter in every single one of the matchups. That's going to be a fun one. Oh, hi. It's been, um, you know, right. it's been a long time since they've been in Brazil. And so it's, wow, wait, when did Shogun Hua get a fight scheduled? Yep. Sorry, Kobe, you, you told me to peep the, the fight lineup. And so I did. But um, yeah, a whole lot of fun fights. All right. Nikita Krylov and Ryan Span is February 25th. Pass. Yeah. Glad, I mean, Ryan Span's right. active, so that's good. Another light heavyweight bout to announce Anthony Smith and Jamel Hill. Very excited for that one. Actually. That's March 11th. Me too. What I'm excited for is I think that this is going to be the true is Jamel Hill the real deal. I mean, I know he's gotten some other veteran fights. Tiago Santos comes to mind, but Anthony Smith is fucking game and he is fucking high fight IQ. And so to see Jamel Hill come off a couple fights ago that lost to Paul Craig in disgusting fashion. This is going to stylistically is going to be a difficult fight similar to that one. I'm excited to see how we progress. This is going to be a true tale to see where Jamail Hill stands. Two rumored fights. I don't want to spend a ton of time on these because they're not official yet, but per Ali Abdelaziz, he mentioned Aljo versus Cejudo for the 135 strap is a done deal. We don't have a date. Dude, how the fuck does Cejudo just, I'm retired, waltz back in? I mean, He's one of the best the sport's ever seen, but I don't know. I really thought there would be some – I mean, 135 is not a thin division by any means. I agree. I mean, it's one of the deepest divisions, but I wouldn't say that there's anyone banging on the door that is the out-and-out out title shot like Holder. I know you're going to sit here and say, Marab. Um, That'll never happen, though. I, they'll, they will never fight. Marab and right. Alper will never fight. I was thinking more like maybe Sugar. I don't know. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm but. so much more excited for Cejudo than Sugar in that matchup. Really? I want Sugar yeah. to get humbled. Anyways, um, another one that's rumored and... Wait, real quick before we move on. I think that the UFC has somehow had all the dominoes fall in the right order to get a at least... Uh, at least a fight night main event, but now that we're talking about it, Reese, now that you mentioned it, maybe a pay-per-view main event of the Cheeto-Sean O'Malley rematch. I think that those two names have enough hype on them to to be a really big headliner main event um, for the rematch. Yeah, I saw Marab and Cheeto 
called each other out, which is interesting. Um, that that that's a another interesting matchup. But I, I but think that I would rather see, Zito or the, I think I would rather see that as well. We're back to John Jones, the guy who gets talked about more than anybody that's never fought in the last two years. But there's some steam behind the Nganu John Jones matchup for March of this year. And I would love that. I would love that so much. We've been talking about it for years. Um, and at this point, it's a really almost impossible fight to bet, just considering we haven't seen John Jones in an octagon. Um, but I mean, you talked to me two years ago, and I would have max played all my literal all my stake on John Jones against Francis. I wish you could say I disagree, but I'm I I I think John. I want to see what John looks like. He's been talked about too much for not, not doing anything. Um, that'll bring us to this week. We have one fight change replacement since even set the spread came out last week. But Brunson is out. Roman Delize is in versus Jack Hermanson. That's this week. And I guess I'll give the specs. We have Saturday, December 3rd, UFC Orlando. 6 p.m. Central Time prelims, 9 p.m. Central Time main card. That's a poha. I guess I don't. We should probably put it event time. So that's 7 p.m. Eastern in Orlando, 10 p.m. Eastern main card. That's the Amway Center, and we have fans in the building for a fight night card. Can't wait. Ha! We got to get back to that. So let's just start off right off the rip where we're supposed to start off. And it's going to be a women's potential system play um, if you want to look at it that way. But Yasmin Yaragu, Yaragu, what the fuck? Jargway? Dan, you want to take that one? Versus Istabel Nunez. And I Yasmin, had it. Now you're in my head. Yeah, Yasmin. She just fought. Um, but I'm going to call her Yasmin. She's 9 0. She's taking on Estella Nunez. And the line is Yasmin minus 305, Nunez plus 255. Yasmin opened at minus 240, instantly got smashed. Now it brings us to potentially having more value on the women's system, but I'm laying off. Yeah, I'm laying off from a betting perspective. I'm going to let the system run its course. Yasmin showed she's a real deal prospect in her debut, but her debut wasn't against like some kind of even experienced fighter it, it's a, it's a woman who is really green in herself um her, she's got good takedown defense mexican boxer mexican toughness um just really tough for me to back as a huge favorite at this point it, it it's an interesting matchup the only interesting thing i really took a note from a betting perspective is it looks like Estella has more UFC experience because, I mean, she she has double the UFC experience, even though they're both in losses. But um, you do have a situation where Yasmin is a full seven years younger and they've had the same amount of professional MMA fights. And so the experience in terms of MMA experience is actually even, although one side, Nunez, has more UFC experience. It's, yeah. it's just... And where, like the UFC, the where the UFC experience really matters is when it's on your debut, not necessarily. So if she was making her debut, it'd be a different story, but she does have a UFC felt, uh, fight under her belt, which absolutely helps. <laughs> Francis Marshall is taking on Marcella Rojo. And 
If you're unfamiliar, Marcelo Rojo, 0-2 in the UFC, a guy that was on the Ultimate Fighter Latin America way back in the day. And he's had a tough schedule, is what I've noticed when I was reviewing tape. And he's taken on Francis Marshall, who fought recently, I believe in August, on Contender Series. Got a unanimous decision W, now getting his shot. He's minus 155 here against Marcelo Rojo. Opened up at 110 each way. And here's what's interesting, Dan. So it opened up at 110 each way. A lot of action comes on early, pushes it all the way to minus 175, and now is slowly trickled back to that 155, which is interesting because it shows that the initial surge was on Francis Marshall and that it maybe swung a little too far. Marcelo Rojo picking up the slack. And I don't know where I stand because I think that both Kyler Phillips and Charles Jordan are significantly tougher fights than Francis Marshall which makes me lean the dog. But I do think Francis Marshall's dangerous, man. He's very, very young, but he has a good, he had a, so he had a pretty decently long amateur career um, with four fights. And then he's also undefeated on the pro scene as well. So although his competition isn't super highly regarded, a lot of sub 500s or O and O's when he takes them on, but he had a tough contender series fight. He got the victory. And now here he is taking on Rojo. I, I do slightly lean the side of Rojo, though, Dan. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I don't have a ton to add. Just having Marshall is a really green prospect. Obviously going to lean on his wrestling, uh, which is going to be tough for Rojo to combat. But if Rojo can stuff some takedowns and stay on his feet, I mean, he's proven he's durable. He's proven he hits hard. Um, and if he doesn't gas it, he's live. Yep. And that – and. If he doesn't gas, he's live. Maybe maybe a live betting spot more than a pre-fight spot, but it sounds like both Dan and I have not sunk our teeth into anything yet. Next fight is Natan Levy versus Hinaro Valdez. And this one's interesting because Levy is a guy who lost to the likes of Rafa Garcia um, and came up the contender series. And Gennaro Valdez is only losses to Matt Favola, who we obviously hold a ton of respect for on that uh, Gan and Ganu card. So he's taken about a year off, taking on Natan Levy here. Natan Levy minus 195. Hinaro Valdez plus 165. Natan Levy opened at minus 160. Has not slowed the momentum going in the opposite direction. If you do want to sink your teeth in this fight and have Natan Levy below minus 200, I advise you to bet it now because it is steaming in that direction. However, Dan, I- I'm not on the Natan Levy side. I'm laying off completely. So, yeah, I, I'm passing too, but I am leaning on the Levy side. Everything I hear out of Vegas and out of that syndicate MMA camp um, is that this kid's a real killer. Um, I haven't seen it on tape, which is why I'm that's the playing off. Yeah, that's He's supposed to be this exciting striker, and he has some underrated grappling. I've heard that he, he's uh, spending time training with, like, Jacare and um, with uh, – why can't I think of him? Um, Adolfo Vieira. So he's clearly working with the best to try and round out that side of his game. Um, He's a great versatile kicks. Punches are getting there. Um, But yeah, the high pressure, high output from Gennaro might be difficult to to get those kicks off. And from what I've seen, I can't back Levy at this price. Yeah, I don't disagree. That's really the problem is everything I saw in film does not add up to what I hear in the streets. Tracy Cortez 
Welcome back. Take it on Amanda Hebos here at Flyweight. This is actually a really highly high-level flyweight fight. Trace Cortez, Amanda Hebos, minus 110 each way and has not moved much. It opened at 110 each way. It went a little bit in the Tracy Cortez direction, finds itself back at minus 110 each way. It's a pick them, Dan. Who are you picking? So I lean towards the Hebos side. Now, I've, I've gone both ways uh, throughout this entire week of taping and whatnot, and it's not going to be something I play because ultimately – I can't bring myself to be confident in either one of them bringing in the game plan that I want. Um, but stylistically, it, it's kind of just wrestling in Cortez versus judo and Hibas. Um, I give the slight jujitsu advantage to Hibas, but training with Ortega and, and living with Ortega every day, I don't see uh, Cortez being a threat to get subbed here. Um, but ultimately, where it, where it came down to is I, I do lean Hibas um, in the striking slightly. And so I think she's just the more well-rounded fighter. I think her judo is good enough to give her top position as much as Tracy's going to be looking for those takedowns and be looking for the top position. And, um, if you're on Hebas in this one, you have to be ready for it, maybe a round, a full round of Cortez top position, grind out boringness and, and that stinks, but I think Hebas should be game. I think Hebas should get the better of the scrambles as long as she's not being held down. Um, but I see it as a fun kind of judo versus wrestling matchup. I think it's gonna be fun. Don't disagree. Trace Cortez holds a lone victory against Aaron Blanchfield via split decision on the regional scene. So we all know how impressive that is. Darren Elkins is going to take on our boy, JSP, Jonathan Pierce here at Featherweight. Hopefully we can get him back on the program. Jonathan Pierce is a whopping minus 450 over Darren Elkins. And he opened at minus 300. So any ability to add him into the parlay is probably gone. Look, I, I think here's the situation. I think Jonathan Pierce is way fresher, way deeper into his prime, way more athletic, way just better. Darren Elkins is going to try to wrestle. We know this. Jonathan Pierce will have no He's problem. He's better wrestler. Yeah, we'll have no problem with that. And he also will have significantly better striking. And so what I, I think is going to end up happening here is – Jonathan Pierce is just going to mow him. The only issue you have to worry about is does Jonathan Pierce gas and Darren Elkins get a late surge? I'm not buying it, but I'm laying off, Dan. I'm also not buying it. Uh, the times that we've seen Jonathan gas are times where he's kind of a little caught off guard. It's the Christian Rodriguez fight. Yeah, Christian Rodriguez um, is the one I think of. Right, where, where he's styling and he's like, oh, well, it's only been 10 minutes and, and all of a sudden he's got a round left. Um, and it's not so much like the Maquan fight. He had an answer for every single one of Maquan scrambles. He had an answer for every submission attempt. He was all over. Maquan. He, he just dominated. And I think yeah. that with guys that he knows and can prepare for, he's just better than them. He's going to have a huge output advantage. He's going to have the wrestling advantage. I like this matchup a lot for him. Maquan's no easy feat too. So this is definitely, a, I almost would argue is, is slightly going backwards as far as competition goes from his last couple of fights, given where Elkins is in this stage of his career. Nonetheless, an exciting fight. This one, Dan, is an underrated fight. I think it's going to be, is going to blow the heads off people. Um, potential, potential fight of the night here for me. Michael Johnson versus Mark DeCasey and Michael Johnson is plus 255. Mark DeCasey minus 305. 
opened at Mark DeCasey minus 160, just gotten smashed since then. Dan, this is something we talk about week in and week out. We love our old school guys. We love the Dude, I, I, I think Michael Johnson's a live dog here, and I'll explain why. He lost a split decision to Jamie Malarkey. Dan, we were on Jamie Malarkey. We know what happened there. And outside of that, you look at a guy who you either get an unbelievable version of. We're talking about a guy who just two years ago went one, 2.9 rounds against Josh Emmett before getting caught. Tiago Moises as well. Tiago Moises as well. And you have a guy who I believe is always a live dog. Mark DeCasey, a guy that's definitely found his stride as of recent. People are forgetting that he had a really bumpy road for a while. He had an unbelievable knockout against Timu Pakaleni, one that dropped everybody's jaw. I still remember it. Goes on, loses Dracar Close, loses Dan Hooker, loses to Nazareth Hackprast. Had to find steam again over like a Joe Duffy, Lando Venata. Loses to Vaziv, loses to Alves, and then beats Borishev. And that and Alves loves bad. It was bad. And what's what I'm what I've noticed out of to Casey is it's that floor where if it's someone above that floor, he struggles mightily. If it's someone below that floor, he gets the job done. I think Michael Johnson, the best version of Michael Johnson, wins this fight. And well, the so- best version of Michael Don- Johnson beat Fourier and the best version of Tony Ferguson and Edson Barbosa. So there's no doubt if the best version of Michael Johnson shows up, he wins. And so he's got a habit though. And it's losing fights that he's winning. He does. And it's a very high risk proposition. However, at minus one or plus 140 where it opened, I am there is zero. You wouldn't catch me dead on Michael Johnson at plus 255, Dan. I think there's a ton of expected value on Michael Johnson. If you run this fight 100 times, Michael Johnson's taking home a good chunk. So I don't think you're wrong. And especially about your point about the best Michael Johnson showing up. Um, the Jamie Malarkey Johnson, the most, re- it, I think the most recent version of Michael Johnson that we've seen gets the job done here. But even that is, is not consistent from round to round. It, it, we've seen him be at his highest highs and then give, give a guy like Tiago Moises his heel. It's just, it's, it's just he's, Got an uncanny ability to lose fights that he's ahead in. DeCasey, the most recent version of DeCasey, has been making fights boring. What happens? Because you said you were excited for this one. And so this the DeCasey that say. came into the UFC, the one that's an apt striker, the one that's got a Muay Thai background, I think has a lot of trouble with Johnson. See, but I think that's the one we see, and I'll tell you why. Michael Johnson's foundation is wrestling. People forget that. But when he was on the ultimate he fighter. He terrible takedown defense. So okay, he gets taken down in every fight. No, I, I understand. But what if he's pushing the pressure here? Because I don't see Mark DeCasey, a guy who has learned wrestling throughout his martial arts career, all of a sudden going, my best game plan here is to try to take this man down. I think it stays standing. I think. He I, lost I, a wrestling heavy fight just a year ago to Clay Guida. Like, I, I agree with you. Clay like, Guida's a better Johnson. wrestler. Thoughts on that? Clay Guida's a better wrestler than DeCasey. Fact. Prime Clay Guida. 40-year-old Clay Guida? 39. But all I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. 
we, we've been on this fight for a little too long. All I'm saying is that it's exciting. One, if though, you're I, right, you're going to be really right. If it's an exciting fight, Michael Johnson's going to outperform the number by a lot, and we're probably going to see an underdog take cash in. I fear that this version of DeCasey that's found some success doesn't care about the fans. He's going to go in there and see that Michael Johnson has been on his butt a lot recently and decide, I don't want the danger of striking with this guy. Let me take his ass down. I guess only time will tell. So we'll have to talk more in depth. I know we've spent a lot of time on this one, but as of right now, this is my first one unit play. And so I might want to dive a little deeper with you offset to make sure that this is the way to go. And all of our official plays, as always, will be posted over on Twitter, on our Inst- uh, 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 at Dank Wagers and at Kingpin MMA and at Ankle Pick Pod. So you'll always find them there. Speaking of Clay Guida, Clay Guida, Scott Holtzman, 155. What a fight. Um, Scott Holtzman, minus 170. Clay Guida, plus 145. And this open at Scott Holtzman, minus 205. Clay Guida, plus 175. People loving the Guida side. Dan, I'm totally unsold on this one. And I think that, and I don't even know this line, but I think that the route to go if the line is enticing is over. Nah, it's minus 220, uh, the over two and a half. But I think both these guys, very good shape. Holtzman, I guess, has more heart than cardio, but I don't know. This fight's interesting, but I, I don't see, I didn't see any angles in this one. Any angles? Yeah, I'm, I'm not looking to play this one. Um, it's hard with Holtzman coming off that long layoff, but... I'm not taking. I'm not putting too much weight in those knockout losses to Matus Gamera and Benny Darius, who are both two top five fighters right now. Um, I think that Clay Guida is not even near on the same level as them. He's a lot more on the same level as Jim Miller, who Scotty Hot Sauce Holtzman looked probably the best performance of his career against the Jim Miller. Um, so if we get that version, I think that Holtzman a way outperforms this number. But there's no way for me to guarantee that we really haven't seen him in over a year and a half it's been a really long time right underratedly too yeah i was about to say i haven't seen that name in a good while but and he's also for a guy who looks in good shape as he is he's underratedly old this is a 39 verse 40 fight so it's not guido will look way older but it's not the case so that also makes this a little bit more interesting but that also brings up the slight case of age versus miles in, in the MMA mm. octagon. And yeah. we just got a lot more miles, a lot more accumulated damage. Absolutely. It's yeah. Two 2008 cars, but one has a hundred, 250,000 miles. The other one has 80. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Angela Hill versus Emily Ducote. And that's at 115. Second to last prelim of the night. Ducote and, by split decision. Well, it's controversial. Dakota minus 120, Angela Hill plus 100. Angela Hill finds herself in every single controversial split decision. The line opened where it is now. So people seem to be just as confused and just as split as everybody else is. I have no lean. I have no opinion. I I lean the veteran Hill if I had to pick, but I'm passing. So I really, really want to bet Dakota. And it kind of brings me back to the Cortez-Hibas fight where if I could guarantee that Dakota would lay down my game plan, I could be her head coach and be in her corner and, and control her like a UFC video game. I think we win this fight 10 out of 10 times. Stylistically, she's got a crazy, crazy big wrestling advantage over Hill. We know what Hill's going to bring. She's got volume. 
She's going to bring pressure. She's a good striker, really sharp punches, but ultimately it's volume. She's not going to finish anyone. Dakota can strike. Dakota's going to go out there and strike. But if Dakota was smart, she'd have three takedowns in all three rounds and have 15 minutes of top control like she did in Bellator. And um, she's got she's going to have a size advantage. She's going to have a wrestling advantage. And she's not going to use it. So we're going to have Dakota by controversial split decision after Angela Hill wins two rounds. And a lot of frustrated Dakota backers as well. And Hill backers because they just lost their split decision. And, and regardless of style, I think this line's being affected by uh, Hill coming off that Lupi Godinez big dog cash. Because that that's kind of what Hill does is it, like, I'm going to surprise people, stuff a few takedowns, and, and cash is a big dog. But then when I'm fighting someone at my level, all of a sudden – I can only volume strike. Yeah, she is very weird that way. I, I don't I don't hate the Dakota lean actually. That's what, that's what comes with a 14 and 12 record. You're gonna get beat by Verna Janjiroba and Tisha Torres and, and Michelle Waterson. What a wild, yeah. And then beat Lupe Godinez. Yeah. On the hottest streak. Yeah. All right, prelim main event here and, and it's Loma. And like, yeah, I she's got that. good wins and Bad losses and prelim main, prelim main event here should be a banger, should stay standing. Nico Price, Philip Rowe. Philip Rowe finds himself at plus 120. Nico Price minus 140. This open at Nico Price minus 135. Movements is like an S. So it opened at, at Nico Price minus 135. Nico Price has seen as low as plus 100 and now has come all the way back to minus 142. I don't know, Dan. I don't have a strong opinion. I've seen in the social media space strong opinions on the Philip Rowe side, but I, I think that it really depends the style style that Nico Price decides to to bring. I also think it's hard to say that you're going to back Philip Rowe before the fight starts, knowing that he takes the first round off in every fight he's ever been in. You're gonna get a better price than plus one twenty in the first it's, round. But it's not even that many. Like it's everybody's ever been in, but it's not even that many. I mean, he's he's such a young, raw fighter as well. Well, he grappled against Gordon Ryan. How did that go? <laughs> that's sorry, I just pulled up his tapology. That's a that's a hilarious thing to have on his record. At least um, yeah, wow. Well, at least he'll take any fight. Yeah. No, I mean. He's grappling Cody Steele, Gabriel Checo, and Gordon Ryan. That guy is is not saying no to anyone. Um, but it's because he's got decent, underrated jujitsu. I will give him that. And I do think if he ends up on his back, he won't be lost. And I think if it stays on the feet the full time, his length is going to get to Nico. And his accuracy is going to get to Nico. It's probably going to take five minutes. But Nico's not a dominant wrestler. He's got heart for days. He's one of the most fun fighters to watch, but he's never been one of the most fun fighters to bet on or one of the most reliable guys. When you see him entering in any exchange, you know that his mentality isn't in my finding my easiest path to victory. His mentality is to go out there and get in a fucking fist fight. And good for him. He found the right sport, but he's not a guy I'm excited to bet on. Don't disagree. I really wish I could find an angle, but I can't. Your boy, Eric Anders, taking on Kyle Dawkins at 185. Welcome back, Eric Anders. Line is Eric Anders plus 185, Kyle Dawkins minus 215. 
Open to Kyle Dawkins, minus 225. Come back a little bit, Dan. I like Kyle Dawkins here. I think if Kyle Dawkins can implement his wrestling and his pressure, Eric Honor is going to have a very long and tough night at the office. I think you're right. Ultimately, Honors is going to be bigger and stronger. He's not a super technical striker. Um, His output is often a problem, as we saw in the Junyoung Park fight. Um, he, He really relies on his power. He sits down on his punches, gets tired, and then will lean against you on the cage to try and control minutes. Um, and I think we're getting a better line than we would had the Daukas to Lidze fight gone even another half a round. If it looked any more competitive, um, I think we'd have a, a lot less favorable Daukas line. So I think I agree with you. Yeah, Plus, I don't, yeah, I don't we mention it all the time. Eric said on his podcast, uh, or not his podcast, he went on the Joe Rogan podcast and mentioned how he kind of sees his career sunsetting. He doesn't see that he's really a contender anymore. He thinks he's only got a few more fights left in him, wants to grab some money. Um, and we don't like betting on guys that are one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, especially because a guy like Kyle Dawkins, who I'm not saying he's going to hold gold, but he's hungry, man. I he mean, couldn't he's... be further from one foot in, one foot out. The Darcy yeah, Knight is, is yeah. improving and wants – he's a contender, and he, he's gunning for those rankings. I don't think that Eric is. And I don't think 215 is too expensive. I really don't. I, 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 I think that the gift of it coming from 225 down to 215, I don't know if you want to wait to see if it goes under that 200, but I, I don't think that's too expensive by any means. I kind of like Kyle Dawkins here. Jack Hermanson, newfound opponent, Roman Delize. That line is Jack Hermanson minus 180, Roman Delize minus 150 or plus 155. It opened at uh, Hermanson minus 150. What's really weird about this, Dan, is similar to what we've talked about where we think pricing would be different. Delize was not a huge favorite against Phil Hawes. I actually believe he was an underdog. He was plus 145. He was a massive dog against Kyle Dawkins at plus 210 and other than the fight where he self-sabotaged to Trevin Giles he's greatly outperformed his price it seems like Vegas is getting a little better at pricing these by having a plus 155 to Jack Hermanson but he's I think Roman's a live dog here dude so you know that I'm as big of a Roman fan as they come Uh uh-oh and I'm staying the hell away from this one. Obviously, the the opponent change is, is factoring in for me. I think that Delize is a completely different guy to prepare for than a Derek Brunson. Um, Delize is really a fighter's fighter. Coming off that flashy knockout you mentioned in Austin, um, he's a tough guy to back in that in that same kind of game plan vein that we always talk about of. He's a guy who will put himself in losing positions because he thinks he can win or because he's just a gamer. He, he's, a, he's a guy that'll roll for heel hooks and take bottom. He's a guy that'll, that'll joke with his coach like, you want me to submit him or you want me to knock him out? And then like completely change his game plan out of a dominant position to do ridiculous stuff. He he's, sits down on his punches. He throws heavy, heavy shots. Uh, with that low volume and it's not conducive to winning three round decisions and what is is Hermanson style that we saw versus Chris Curtis it's the footwork it's the setting traps it's knowing that the guy's coming with 
a one, two, that's got a lot of power and you've got a one, two, three, four, that's going to meet him at, meet him when he's making his entries and, and really frustrate him. And I think that Hermanson's grappling is better than Delizze's. And I'm a big Delizze fan. I really am a, a fan of Hermanson's all as well. It's really well-rounded, great cardio. Um, the experience is one thing, but Hermanson has never really performed the best as, against the highest level guys. Uh, I do think it, it's a little bit too big of a bite for Delize at this point in his career. A guy who I think can hold gold in the future, but the Hermanson sophistication of the, the footwork and the game planning, I think will be a lot for him, especially on short believe, notice. If you believe Hermanson is a, is a better grappler, then you're right. It's Hermanson's mm-hmm. fight to lose. If you truly believe that, I do. I I really then, don't. Yeah, then you're. I, I don't mind. see. I, I I mean, we saw Hermanson heel hook Kelvin Gastelum. He knows his way around that. I don't see Delize catching him there. I don't see. I would love nothing more than Delize no, I mean, grab a heel hook and snatch up the heel hook in his pocket and take this one home and become a ranked contender just like that. Georgian invasion. Uh, number two, becoming a, a knocking on the door behind Marab. I know that he's your guy, but I, I just think that this is a tough matchup for, for Roman. Don't disagree. 265, tied to Ivasa, Sergey Pavlovich, heavyweight. Tied to Ivasa, plus 185, Sergey Pavlovich, minus 215. This opened at Pavlovich, minus 145. No, 115, actually. And it's just gotten smashed beyond belief. Dan, here's my thoughts on it. Pavlovich is going to win. Pavlovich is going to win by finish. But the line has run so far off the wagon that if you've missed it and you haven't played it yet, unfortunately, it is too late. Change my mind. So I'll be betting tie. Small. Wow. I'll be sprinkling okay. tie. I'll start with that. Okay. That I mean, so that's, that's not necessarily – so my statement isn't necessarily wrong – let me ask you a question. 110 each way where it opened. Are you still sprinkling tie? No, absolutely okay. not. Okay. So it, just this is me looking at, at Ty Tuivasa with some of the heaviest hands in the UFC. Uh, one of the most durable guys in the heavyweight division. Kind of your modern day Mark Hunt. At plus money, he is live as hell versus anyone. And we saw that versus Cyril Gaon in his most oh, recent yeah. fight. A guy who I have is the most sophisticated striker. Um period in, in in heavyweight history obviously not the most dangerous obviously not the most heaviest hitter but i think in terms of sophistication of kickboxing i'll take zero over any 265er that you can name Don't and and ty had him on skates ty caught him ty was live in that fight and if you had money on zero gone you remember being sweaty and as unbeatable as sergey pavlovich has looked because he has looked unbeatable I- I, I do also think that I, I interestingly almost think, too, that this matchup for Ty stylistically that Pavlovich brings is very favorable when you look at his record. Like the Derek Lewis, Augusto Sakai, Greg Hardy are way more similar to Pavlovich than like they are to uh, than, than, than like Spivak, Ivanov, and, and JDSR. And so I think that, and I guess JDS kind of is, but you don't look at a guy who you're worried is going to bring a grappling edge. And so I do think this is going to be a stand and bang heavyweight fight. And you know better than anyone that when you can take a dog in one of those, you always have a slight edge. Yep. 
and especially a dog who is proven to be as durable as or as a uh, as Tai Tuivasa. We saw him eat maybe the heaviest uppercuts that Derek Lewis has in his arsenal and just stand right up. We saw, I mean, Cyril Gaon was landing as accurately as anyone can on the chin for a full 15 minutes, and it took the full 15 minutes of accumulation to to make a guy like Ty crumble. Um, Ty, like you said, in a in a in a game of punch face with the most dangerous guys in the world, if you're getting a dog price on Ty, you're doing something right. I don't disagree, especially for the style. Yeah, and and the last thing I'll say is. As, as unbeatable as Pavlovic has, has looked, how many times have we seen guys be this unbeatable force knockout power in round one, but what happens when they get extended in, into round two and round three? Who knows? And we haven't seen Pavlovic in a corner. We haven't seen him go into Well, I want to ask two. one more question before we move on. I do want to move on, but over under, over one and a half plus 180, will you find yourself there? I'll be sniffing it but I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I'm really intrigued. The fact that it's three rounds hurts. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's three rounds hurts, but over one and a half plus 180, maybe. That's got Dan's name written all over it. You know I love my heavyweight. Mateus Nicolau versus Matt Schnell at 125. Nicolau minus 390. Schnell plus 320. A massive line for Schnell. Opened at Nicolau minus 220. Has gotten smashed. Look, I think Nikolau wins if you're doing a pick em. I think Nikolau is kind of better everywhere, but it's gotten too far off the rails. I can't in good conscience tell you to bet it at minus 400. But I also don't want to ride Schnell. I really I really don't. So I'm passing. Yeah, I, I think that the only spot I looked at and felt a little bit of a, of a tingle um, was the Nikolau by KO. Mm. And it, it it's tough because he's so low volume and you look at the Dvorak fight, you look at the Cape fight, you look at the Elliot fight. He's not throwing a lot. No, and it's not like, it's not like he's fighting with any sense of urgency, which is kind of Schnell's opportunity to get back in, but Schnell's durability. I know that he's coming off of a fight of the year contender comeback of all time contender against Sumu Derji. But he got dropped like six times in that fight. Roy Val dropped him. Vontori yeah. dropped him. Tyson yep, yep, Nam yep. dropped him a couple times. It's a lot of comebacks, a lot of drops. It's if Nikolau can put him away, which is highly likely. Now, do you lean KOT, KOTQ, or do you want to do the double chance with the submission as well? So this might bite me, but I do, I do lean the, the KOT, KOTQ. Okay. Um, and I do think that if Schnell doesn't get knocked out, I think if his lights don't get turned off, he's a live dog. But ultimately, I, I just, it's a pass for me unless I'm playing a prop. For those wondering, KOT, KODQ for Nikolau plus 250. If you do want the inside the distance instead, um, it's plus 120. Nikolau wins inside the distance. So you're getting over double the price if you do go the TKODQ route. Rafael Dos Anjos take it on Brian Barberena. I've been very vocal about the fact that I think Dos Anjos will skate in this one, and I'm still pretty adamant of it. But if I'm going to be completely honest, it is at 540 right now, and you have to be a danger to society to ride almost anyone at that price point. 
So it opened at minus 325, very palatable. It's now minus 565. Is there a inside the distance the pal- that's palatable at all? I, I mean, I yeah, I think inside the distance is very palatable. It's what was that tough. number like? So it's tough because it's three rounds, which if this is five rounds, it's an easy inside the distance. But you can get uh, KOD, uh, TKO plus 650. You can get submission plus 310. Or you can get Dos Anjos wins inside the distance plus 180. Barbarena is very durable. But when you look at the skill gap, it's massive. Like massive, massive. And I don't mean any disrespect on Barbarena. He's a very exciting fighter. He's fun to watch. But the skill level is night and day massive. And he's, he's going to split decisions this year with a 41-year-old Matt Brown. Matt Brown. And he's, yeah, he's beating Robbie Lawler. And yeah, he's beating Darian Weeks, who is a RDA is getting up there in age. But, but we're talking about RDA is a whole different. There's 41-year-old Matt Brown. I understand. I understand. Up, way up there is RDA. RDA. I know. But we're talking about a guy who lost to Jason Witt all of a year ago. I mean, think about that. We're talking about a guy who I honestly don't know how he got this fight booked. I, I really don't. When they first told me this was the fight, I was thinking RDA is a guy who held gold, is always kind of in the wings, and he's taking on Barbarina. He just, he just dismantled Moicano. Anyone that's 1% less tough than Moicano is finished there. And now they give him Barbarina. Interesting. 540 isn't palatable. Inside the distance is. That's where you'll find me. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos inside the distance. Not to derail, but when it comes to some MMA maps, who do you favor in a Fazeev-Moicano matchup? Fazeev, by a lot. Okay. Fazeev by a lot. Yeah. What about you? No, I agree with you. RDA, I agree with you, Fazeev, by a lot. I also agree with you, RDA, parlay piece, if you're going to use them, the 180. Yeah. Inside or the inside distance. the distance. Yeah, yeah. both but. palatable. And if you're someone who agrees that you really like Anjos, but for whatever reason you have the conviction that Barbarain is tough to finish or Anjos has lost some gas or whatever, then take Anjos by decision, minus 135. That's not a bad line either. I would not scoff at that line by any mean. I lean the finish just because of the skill gap. But I think if you trying to work this line down from minus 540 and finding yourself either inside the distance plus 180 or by decision at minus 130, both of those are significantly better if you have a lean. Because 540 is, is, is pricey. Okay, main event, Dan. Steven Wonderboy Thompson, another old guy. Oldie but good. Taking on Kevin Holland in what might be the shortest retirement probably ever. And it's going to be a good fight. I mean, Kevin Holland finds himself a whopping minus 165, Dan. And if you remember correctly, when we did set the spread, it was minus 110 each way it opened. I think it leaned one way or the other and someone got the point. But it seems like Sharps and all Sharps alike love Kevin Holland in this spot, which is interesting. It's really Um, interesting to me. Take the floor. I, I don't really have a lean here other than I think Kevin Holland's fucking massive for 170 and that if his heart's in the right place, stylistically, this is a great fight for him because it's striker versus striker and he's not going to find himself on his butt. Well, this is another one where but if I mean, I could have the controller, the UFC 3, UFC 4, whatever controller in my hands for Kevin Holland, we'd win this fight because we'd be 
Kevin Holland and Magomedov. And if there'd be five takedowns, one in each round. But that's just not what Kevin Holland's going to do. Both guys here, we've got rangy strikers. Obviously, like you said, at 170, Kevin Holland is a different animal than 185. He's a big man. Mm -hmm. But up at 185, when he was getting dominated by these wrestlers, he's big mouth. He's talking to Khabib. He's talking to the wrestlers. There's no way in hell. I think that Kevin Holland is going to implement some five-round wrestling game plan. He's a showman, and it's just not going to happen. And, and he's proven really... to be, and, and he's proven to be a guy that when you try to back him, you find yourself getting very frustrated at the fact that he isn't taking it as seriously as you'd like him to, and the fact that this is also coming off the fact that he announces retirement makes you wonder that much more. Hey, I'm trying to cash out here. There's a main event spot. Steve Wonderboy Thompson stylistic is a great fight. We might even get the fight of the night. Like, okay, I'm going to take this spot. But are you, do you think with your heart of hearts that he's coming in here and he's like, I want to win this. I want to climb welterweight. Like, no, just no. I think he's coming in looking for a highlight reel knockout. And it's something that he might get. I don't want to yeah, move Pettis that. has got it. Pettis got it. Wonderboy to me is obviously the more technically sound striker, the more accurate striker, uh, the striker with more tools in his arsenal. But he's questionable defense with the karate style. He's always had his his arms right down by his hip. Um, And it's not a great spot to be in against a guy in Kevin who's going to be longer and bigger than you. It's not the situation that Wonder Boys had to be in a whole lot at 170. Um, More often for that matter, because... When you, when you look at Wonder Boy and you look at his record, especially at welterweight, you, when, when he is facing another striker, it tends to be a favorable matchup for him. Outside, I mean, even the Pettis fight was a favorable matchup for him before the craziest knockout that no one He was winning. Him. He was dominating that fight until, until he, he got tagged. Yeah, he was. And, I mean, I think that this, this 40-year-old wonder boy who has lost any shot most likely of climbing the ladder back to the title i think that this is a favorable spot for kevin holland if if kevin holland like you said if you, if you could give you the controller and just move kevin holland i just am not convinced that kevin holland is cares enough for me to put my hard-earned money down i think that the biggest component for me, the reason why I didn't jump on the Kevin Holland at around even, because I think I would have pretty big. This yeah. is a three-round fight. Mm. But this being a five-round fight for me plays into Wonder Boy's hand. And I think that the longer that this fight goes, the more he can frustrate Kevin. I think that this fight being in Orlando and not in the apex cage, the more space that Wonder Boy has, the better. But that for will Wonder help. Boy. But I do think the fans help Kevin Holland. Oh, 100%. You're right yeah. there. But the I space the is going to help. Yeah. The, 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 the size of the octagon is going to help Wonder Boy's footwork more than uh, Holland's, like, whatever, adrenaline. Um, Holland's path to victory, I think, is he's too, he's too pretty high likeliness path to victory. He can catch Wonder Boy with his hands down. For sure. Um, or he can implement a He's or he can implement a stronger. game plan of control, a game plan that he doesn't ever really tend to do, 
but he can. As this number grows and grows and grows, I favor Wonder Boy, and I'll probably be sprinkling Wonder Boy as fight night comes around. Especially the I, line. Yeah, the line. Yeah, that, that's really it. That, it, it. The money's coming in on Kevin Holland. The money's coming in on Batman. People are in for a rude awakening if they think that Holland's going to come in here and just outstrength Wonder Boy types. Right, right. And but if it's if it's if it's one ten each way, I like the Holland side. I think he's but more powerful. Would, he's bigger. What he's I almost tools. what I almost would suggest you doing, Dan, is putting half your initial wager on Wonder Boy, and then looking for the other half potentially live. And if if Wonder Boy skates to an easy victory and you don't get a live chance, okay, you're up half a unit. Who gives a shit? Winner winner. But if, if you do get a spot, Kevin Holland comes out, maybe wobbles him in the first or gets some, some range strikes. Like you said, I think you can get a really tasty line, especially with Wonderboy coming in at a dog in a fight that favors him if it goes to the judges. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. So that's that might be an angle to take it. But, okay, so let's just close off this show. Phenomenal show. I, I want to close it off with your official plays as of Wednesday night when we're recording this. It'll be out Thursday, but as of – Wednesday night, what are the official plays you have lined up? I'll go first while you dial yours up. All I have so far, and there will be more, but all I have so far is Michael Johnson for one unit. Tan might need to talk me out of that. And then I have a parlay with Kyle Dawkins, RDA, and Jonathan Pierce. And it seems like a fishy parlay, but with Kyle Dawkins in it, it doesn't make it that bad. So it's RDA, Dawkins, and um, Jonathan Pierce, and it it plays it pays plus money, um, plus one twelve. And I think that if you were like ah, plus one twelve isn't appetizing enough, I think you could potentially add like. Uh, I don't know. I, I would be pretty happy with the 112 because the way I look at this is you are getting Kyle Dawkins plus 112 because I think that in almost no circumstance RDA loses and in almost no circumstance Jonathan Pierce loses. It would have to be a crazy, crazy outlier. And so I look at this as, as knocking Kyle Dawkins down to plus 112 and I'll take that all day long. So that parlay as well. The, the stuff I'm looking at to place later in the week would be all that fun stuff. Um, potentially RDA inside the distance, potentially um, Dalkus by sub, um, potentially uh, whatever else I stumble upon. But as far as like officially tracked placed wagers, I got Michael Johnson, one unit and that nifty little parlay. For me, and I've got nothing placed on my uh, better than made tips page yet um but as always by saturday morning everything will be up there um but what i'm looking at right now that i can guarantee i'll have at least some sprinkle on are jack hermanson the way that this line is moving i just pulled up fight odds and he's down to minus 175 some places and it's only going it's only moving better um won't be a big bet as i am as big of a roman delize fan as anyone has been since his debut but jack's got him here i'll also be sprinkling on tai to as that one continues to grow um 
And then also probably on, on Wonder Boy as that one continues to grow. I won't do it unless it gets above 150, but that the direction it's trending in, I'm seeing 145. Absolutely yeah, everywhere. damn close. It's on the doorstep. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it looks like it's going to be a dog night for the boys, and then you can always ride the women's system. Ankle lock will be posted. We always have to play it. We're 15 and two plus bajillion units. Okay. We're gonna, we're, it is a bajillion, but we're going to try and cross the 50 burger mark this weekend. So, so watch out for that. Cause that, that's a, um, it's a, it's a, whatever. Man. What are the words look, yeah. we're, I'm looking for? Threshold. Threshold. Yeah. Threshold is a good word. Country club coming in clutch. Um, country club, <laughs> sign us off. Cause my voice is a little hoarse. Dan's a little hoarse. We haven't uh, lick, We haven't got our palates cleansed with some Jepsons. So take I don't even know the word words. <laughs> you don't know the word words, dude. Pohow. Pop. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.